Hey, what's up, guys? It's Dan from United Q. It's Wednesday, which means we have another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. I'm here with my co-host, Ben. Hello. And we're brought to you by Pro-Q, Barbecue Gourmet, and Kamado Joe, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. Pro-Q is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram under Pro-Q Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying your first smoker, wanting to upgrade, or looking for charcoal cabinet smokers, check them out over at Max Barbecue. Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the US and around the world. And you can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. So regardless of how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas or electric, the real taste of barbecue can be yours all year round. And Commando Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation from smoking, roasting or searing. Commando Joe is a premium ceramic grill chosen by Michelin star chefs and barbecue enthusiasts alike. Get the real barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out commandojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. And on today's show, we have Jay Beaumont. Hi, Jay. How are you doing? Good day. How are you? <laughs> great. Great to have you on, bro. Thanks for having me. No problem. It's nice to get someone else from Australia because Dan and I both talk about the Australian barbecue scene quite a bit. We, we like to follow it and we love to see what you guys are doing. So it's great to have you on the show. Cheers. We had the hillbillies, uh, the Shank Brothers, the Down Under the Hillbillies on there. Well, that was ages ago, though. That was a long time ago. So, uh, so yeah, we're looking to get a few more Australian guests on and, and uh, start doing a bit more with you guys as well. Cool. Yeah, well, it's, it's growing in Australia at a rapid rate. And, um, yeah, the Shank Brothers, they're one of the uh, most well-known teams in the country. Awesome. So we're hanging out with the right people. <laughs> yeah, sure. So Ed, if you could give, our, give a quick intro, quick background on, on who you are and, and what you do for the listeners. Yeah, so um, I, uh, I suppose like a lot of people, went for a holiday to America, uh, fell in love with uh, American-style low and slow barbecue. I came back to Australia and there was little, if anything, uh, to do with low and slow barbecue in Australia. So I started a competition in my hometown of Port Macquarie uh, called it the um, Australian Barbecue Wars, and uh, it was pretty humble beginnings. And then on the basis of that, he sort of co-founded the Australasian Barbecue Alliance that's kind of been set up to help people just like me who are promoters um, also run events in Australia. And um, it's grown from me doing one event to now that I now I do four. So you organise four yourself now? Yes, yeah. <laughs> as a hobby. I still have a full-time job, so... Yeah, we, we've just uh, taken a bit of a dive ourselves. We're, we're organizing our own, and, and we, we both have jobs and now understand how hard it is, and uh, couldn't imagine doing four. So uh, good on you for that. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's very difficult dealing with a lot of teams and uh, a lot of requests and, and whatnot, but uh, the more I do, the sort of better I get at systems and processes. So, um, yeah, I, I've got a bit of help too, which helps. Yeah, no, awesome. And And from what I've seen, I mean, the... The competitions you guys put on are, are absolutely awesome, looking really good. Uh, I love all the stuff you do, like all the media stuff that you do with them as well. It's, it's, uh, have you got like a background in media or, or do the people you work with? Because all the videos and I'm stuff a, you guys put out is, are absolutely awesome. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a publisher by trade. That's what I do for a living. I sort of uh, publish sort of like a, it's, it's like a local free magazine type thing. But as part of that, I've kind of uh, learned to take photos. I've learned to do video because... Um, that's kind of the business that I'm in and uh, even though I've got a photographer and a guy that does my videos I've kind of forced myself to learn them to learn it as well because um, 
I kind of need to promote my own events. So a lot of the marketing that you see is just because the, uh, I've got a marketing background. Ah, makes makes a lot of sense because a lot of it looks super pro. It looks wicked, honestly. Like some of the videos, I think that's not not like obviously like you guys are doing wicked barbecue, but I think like also what makes the scene so followable, follow, followable, followable. I don't know. You know what I mean, anyway. But <laughs> what makes it so wicked to follow is is like a lot of the content you guys are putting out is so cool and uh, and great to watch, which is awesome. Yeah. Well, the big thing is in Australia three years ago, four years ago. Literally, I could count on two hands how many people were really into low and slow barbecue. It was a really, really small scene. Um, there was there, there just wasn't much out there. And low and slow barbecue is a it's it's a difficult thing to get into if it's not familiar to you. If you've never seen it before, you've never seen a smoker, you don't understand how indirect cooking works. It's it's very sort of complicated to get into. And, you know, everything from woods to rubs to, you know, different types of cooking temperatures and different types of, you know, offset smokers and bullet smokers. It is kind of really complicated. So from the outset, we decided to do a lot of these educational sort of videos, not only just promoting our events, but also trying to promote what Love and Slow is all about so we could educate the wider public. And that's had a pretty good flow on effect for you know, us having nearly 30 competitions in Australia this year. That's awesome, bro. Yeah, no, I, I think the, the videos and content you guys put out is, is wicked. Really, really enjoy it all the time. So, so yeah, well done on that. And, and yeah, 30 competitions in Australia is, is wicked. Hats off to you. Yeah, well, we're only a small country, you know. So, per capita, if you if you compare it to, say, the States, it's it's pretty phenomenal that we've got 40, uh, 30 events here in Australia. Yes. When did you when did you set up the ABA? How long have you actually been running now? Um, we set it up just shortly after my first event, so that would have been probably mid two thousand and fourteen. We've probably been going for about two and a half to three years now. Yeah. Um, so to have that many competitions already—that's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, I think a lot of that's got to do with the proactive uh, push that the ABA. Um, has sort of given things like marketing and our websites and our communication and how also how we went about setting up uh, the, the association. So, you know... Do you want to run us through like, that? Yeah, literally three years ago, like I said, nobody really knew much about low and slow barbecue. So when the ABA first sort of founded, we did kind of create a lot of our own rules and processes around inclusion. So, for example, as an example, if you went into a butcher store, most butchers, 95% of butchers, if you went in and asked for a brisket, they wouldn't have a clue what you were talking about. Um, and if they did have a brisket, it would be two to three kilos. So that's kind of what we started with. That's where we... Yeah, were, same here in the UK. We just get yeah, rolled. If you go butchers, it's a rolled brisket, so it's like a two, two to three kilo, like rolled flat. Yeah, so it sounds like your butchers are trained very, very similar to ours. And our, our butchers are trained to run the knife right along the bones when they're doing pork, uh, yep. pork ribs. Um, so we get you know a lot of shiners, and really the whole low and slow cut thing uh, it wasn't it wasn't a big deal uh, whatsoever. So when we first started our uh, association, we were very relaxed about the sorts of cuts that people could hand in. We didn't have that history of 20 or 30 years in America where people kind of, you know, knew about all these low and slow cuts and had ready access to all that meat. 
So we had to kind of develop our rules around people not being able to get a brisket and maybe they could hand in a beef rib or, you know, even uh, even beef cheeks. Yeah, it um, makes sense. So we kind of relaxed our rules a fair bit to allow for inclusion. Um, and we kind of did, re- re- you know, compared to, say, other associations, our rules were quite relaxed to encourage people to just have a go. And that's kind of how we grew so quickly. Um, our judging course was very simplified. Um, it wasn't it wasn't too overly complicated. Anyone could sort of get involved and have a go. And as we've grown a little bit, we've started to tighten a lot of those processes. But it's it, you know we are still uh, very early on in the piece, so we've got a you know a lot of our rules are still quite relaxed in terms of our handing categories. Awesome. That that probably goes with the lifestyle of uh, of you guys down in Australia as well, nice and relaxed, and uh, it's good to have a, an association like that, and, and that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, people take their barbecue very seriously still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do um, all over. Yeah. Competition's competition, isn't it? <laughs> Correct, yeah. Like we're, we're pretty relaxed um, with some of our rules, and, and what we've done now is kind of develop, uh, as we've sort of grown, rather than just have a sort of a beef category, which you know used to be sort of brisket, beef cheeks, or ribs, now we've also, uh, sorry, a, a beef category. Now we also, we have a beef category, but we have a brisket category as well. Um, we used to have a lamb category that was any part of the lamb, but now we sort of have a, a more refined sort of shoulder and shanks and ribs, which is sort of more low and slow style cuts because lamb is just massive in Australia. couldn't be a barbecue competition in Australia without having lamb because it's a big thing for us. So what we've tried to do is give promoters the choice of picking which categories they want to pick rather than sort of pigeonhole it and we've just found that having a lot of flexibility in the way we operate has meant that a lot of promoters are really happy to have a competition with the ABA. Yeah so so you don't have to do the same standard categories at each competition you can kind of no, cherry debated, pick the ones you want. Yeah we debated this really early on in the piece that um, you know we've I'll read you through our categories we've got a brisket category we've got a beef category we've got a beef ribs category We've got a chicken category, a lamb category. Um, we've got a, a refined lamb category, which is just shoulder shanks or, or, or ribs. We've got a pork category, and we've got a pork ribs category. And we've also got a Brahmin hump, which is a specialised sort of thing, and uh, a seafood category. So what we're doing is we're saying to promoters, pick four, you know, um, and every time a team does an ABA event, hopefully it's a little bit different. Hopefully it's a little bit challenging. Um, we didn't want to get to this Groundhog Day, same hand in, same time, every single comp. Um, we kind of wanted to make sure that it threw a bit of a curveball for the teams, that every comp they go to, there's just something different they might have to work out. And, and some stuff they can't Google. You know, they've got to practice. Yeah, and, and that is one thing that some of the other, like some of the teams that compete in other associations that I speak to say that once they turn up to competition, it's sort of like they go into like comp mode and they know exactly when they've got to do this 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 and this because it's the same category same term in times at each time so so yeah i like the way that it keeps it fresh every competition and and they go and it's it's like a it's like a new thing every time yeah i i mean personally i like that i mean some people don't some people really like the um you know the routine of going back and doing the same thing over and over and perfecting that routine um, so that really works for some people, but there are other organisations that already do that. So we just thought we'd be different. Yeah, no, it's good. I really like that. It's cool. And you've, I've just looked on the teams page on the ozbarbecue.com.au website, and it's got like 
you've got over 200 teams already on there. Yeah, it's crazy. Like to think the first competition we did like three years ago, I literally had to beg people to come along and compete. And the first comp was 20 teams. And that was like scraping the bottom of the barrel to find everyone in Australia that kind of had some inkling about how to barbecue. And, um, and now, yeah, three years later, we've got 200 teams that competed last year in our championship. So, so what do you think's made it such a success? Um, I just think when it comes to low and slow barbecue, people who have never done it before kind of need to see it. They need to be shown. They need to kind of be educated. Like this is an offset smoker. The wood goes here. It indirectly cooks. This is how you adjust the vents. This is how you control temperatures. This is the type of cuts that you want. This is the kind of rubs and seasonings you want to use. This is when you're at. And I think when people go to an event and they see a barbecue competition, they kind of get educated really quickly. You know, all they need to do is spend five minutes talking to one of the teams and they've got it in their head. Oh, okay, I understand it now. This is how low and slow works. So it's kind of had this effect that the more events we do, the quicker it's sort of growing. Like we're literally taking an inquiry every week through a new, new events um, in New Zealand and in Australia. And I think it's because the more events that we do have, it's kind of this perpetuating type thing that um, people discover it and they uh, it's new and they want to get into it. And it's kind of like, I don't know, you know, when you get into fishing or camping, you go out and buy a brand new boat, you go out and buy all the new camping gear. And with low and slow barbecue, you go out and buy, a, you know, a new offset smoker or you make one yourself. So I think it's kind of like the more events that we have done, the more the videos that we do do get out there, people are just starting to get educated and they sort of find it fascinating, which it is. Low and slow barbecue is fascinating. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. <laughs> yeah, awesome, awesome. And, and so you've you've taken the the leap with meat stock, and you've oh, you you're now sort of uh, in New Zealand as well. And and how did how did that come about? And and you, and how was that for you? Like organising a competition in a, in another country? How's how's that been? Well, I'll let you know in about ten days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, when we first did the first meat stock, it went down really well, and. Um, we had 12,000 people. We had a lot of media interest. Uh, Freddie Flintoff even came and did a, a TV show out of Meatstock. Awesome. Um, Russell Crowe came along. We had some great media coverage. We had 50 teams. Um, and, 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 look, the event went really, really well. So um, it, except the fact it was really hot. It was nearly 40 degrees Celsius. And um, so it was, it was really, really hot. But Didn't need um, much charcoal. <laughs> on the basis of that we kind of thought well where's where next you know and um brisbane and melbourne and auckland were just sort of likely places where we could go and um and we just you know we went around and we talked to a lot of venues and we talked to a lot of um different people who were in the industry over in auckland and we talked to a lot of people in melbourne and brisbane and in the end we decided to do uh melbourne and and auckland um, and that's based on just the support that we got from venues and from people in the industry. Awesome, awesome. That's that's really cool. That's super cool. And and that's in ten like ten days time, as you said. Yeah, the Auckland one's in yeah ten days time. So um, we've got hopefully we have a full house. We're we're pretty close to selling out the Saturday. Um, it's a two day event, so we do the Saturday and the Sunday. Um, but we yeah, we're we're about. 300 tickets as of today from selling out a Saturday, so that's great. 
And, and mind you, we've got 36 teams in a country that's never had a barbecue competition um, of this sort of standard before either. Wow. So 36 teams from New Zealand. Have you got team, many teams travelling from, from Oz? Uh, five, yeah. So five teams have made the journey across the ditch, as they would say, and um, and they're going to try and compete. And I think they think it might be a bit of a pushover, but I, I don't know. Some of these New Zealand guys know exactly what they're doing. That's super cool, though, because I think like one of the things that obviously like in in the UK, uh, a lot of the teams, tra- uh, comp- a lot of our teams compete in the UK in the UK only, and then we've got like two or three teams, three or four teams now that that sort of travel across Europe competing, <clears throat> and I think like the enjoyment of going to another country and and, uh, and experiencing their culture and cooking with them and 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 that's all part of barbecue, and I think that's cool that you guys now are. Uh, what do you say uh, jumping across the ditch or <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's cool that you guys are able to do that as well i mean you're you're a big country in yourself and you're quite far away from from i mean i, I would guess that new zealand's probably your closest closest stop off so so yeah so, so awesome that you're you're managing to sort of branch out and, and do stuff with other countries as well yeah, but, you know, distances down here are, are really big. I mean, you guys are really lucky in Europe that, um, I mean, I, I, I really don't know the timings, but, you know, it probably might take you three or four hours to drive to a different country and do a different competition. Yep. Um, some of the guys that live in Western Australia, one guy in particular, Boyd, who came second in the championship, he travels something like 2,000 k's to get to a, to a competition. Um because he loves barbecue, and so he might spend. It might take him the best part of three days driving nonstop to get to a competition. Um, so, you know, our what a man. is a massive. What's that? I said, what a guy. Oh, <laughs> he's great. He's just committed, and he's doing a bit of a road trip, and he's obviously very, very good at what he does. Um, but you know, the distances that we have to travel. You know, the distance between sort of Sydney and Melbourne is the best part of you know a thousand sort of kilometres. So. Um, you know, it's very difficult for people from Melbourne to compete in Sydney and vice versa. But, um, you know, there's a core group of teams now that will travel. And not only that, they'll get on an aeroplane. Um, so, you know, anyone competing in New Zealand, you've got to somehow fly in, fly out and compete. And uh, that's a challenge in itself. Definitely. And is the scene in, Aust- uh, not in Australia, that's where you are, in New Zealand kick- kicking off as well, the same as it is in Australia? It is, and you know what? Even more so. Um, New Zealand has a third of the population or something similar to that, a third of the population of Australia, and uh, there's a group over there at the moment called, uh, you know, a Facebook group called um, NZ Pitmasters, and um, it's got something like 12,000 fans, and we only started the group like six months ago. Um, I I think more so than Australians, uh, Kiwis have kind of a a background or an affinity with, with low and slow barbecue because it's sort of in their culture. Um, so even though American style barbecue is quite new, um, cooking low and slow and, 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 you know, they've done things like honeys and that sort of thing in the past, the concept is not foreign to them. So they've picked it up really, really quickly. And there's lots of really good barbecue restaurants in New Zealand. So, um, you know, if, if not just as much as there is in Australia, there's really, really good barbecue restaurants in New Zealand. So they've picked it up a lot quicker. And, um, you know, meat stock might be the first competition for this year in that country, but it's definitely not going to be the last. And lots of people are, uh, con- you know, uh, looking at doing events over in New Zealand at the moment. Awesome. And as well as all of that, you've got guys like the Barbecue Mafia, you've got guys Rub and Grub, you've got the Shank Brothers, you've got 
<coughs> people like uh, Sutton Knuckle Smokers who, who are actually creating brands and bringing out rubs and bringing out all sorts of stuff, which is, which is super cool. And, and just the scene just seems to be absolutely buzzing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is because this, I haven't seen it happen in America to my knowledge, but Australian teams seem to be really proactive about branded marquees, sponsors, um, social media. Uh, yeah, super proactive. It's, it's, it's insane. It's so cool to see. Like, I mean, for someone who's on the other side of the world, like, I, I feel like I see so much of your scene and so much of ha- what's happening in, around in Australia, and it's so cool to see it all and, and feel like you're almost yeah. part of the journey but from so far away and actually nothing to even do with the journey. Yeah, and I think you're probably <laughs> right. Like, you don't see the same sort of thing. Like, you know, America, there's loads of them doing it, but you don't see it in the same way that we see you guys doing it. Yeah, well, look, the teams are just really proactive. And it's like, the only way I can describe it is it's like NASCAR or something like that. They're all branded up with logos and sponsors and they've all got, you know, charcoal sponsors and, um, you know, they've got different brands of barbecues that they represent. And uh, to a point where it's it's, it's difficult for a promoter, um, you know, because the event needs to have its own sponsors as well. So there's a slight conflict there, but we've, we've worked it out pretty well. But, yeah, it's amazing to think some of these teams, they roll in like they're a NASCAR team and they're all branded up, ready to go, and they've got sponsorship. And just competing is extremely expensive. So, you know, if they can find a way to try and offset some of those costs for, for what is their hobby, you know, um, for whatever reason, and I don't know why, but Australians are just really proactive when it comes to, you know, branding themselves as a team and looking for sponsorship and having uh, a branded uh, presence at a festival. Um, and in America, I don't see a lot of that. Uh, I, I think more and more we're starting to see it. But, you know, five years ago, I don't think many teams rocked up and had sponsors, banners up and that sort of stuff. No, no. And, and I, lo- I love that, the, the, like rolling up like NASCAR teams. It, it, it is, it's awesome. It's great to see. It. Like, and like I said, I mean, it must help you guys as well. And it helps everyone to sort of promote the, the low and slow sort of uh, ethos and the low and slow sort of world to, to everyone else. And it's, it makes it more accessible to people, which is, which is awesome. But you guys also have stuff like, is it meet like meet evicts and, and places like that? Well, look in Australia, it was very, very, very difficult to get meat. And there were a couple of butchers who were um, kind of leading the way. Um, and, and Vix Meats uh, was kind of one of them. Um, Anthony Padarich, out of yeah. the, um, he's got a retail outlet uh, at the fish markets in Sydney. Um, but there's quite a few people just like Anthony who kind of saw what was happening and jumped on board and started buying in um, sort of low and slow cuts. So, so kind of what happens is if you're a butcher in Australia, you tend to buy your beasts fairly small um, because that's what you can manage inside your butcher shop. But for uh, meat to be sort of low and slow, it needs to come off a much bigger beast. So a lot of the butchers have started ordering in beef ribs and brisket and they've started, you know, we've made... Uh, I went to my own butcher shop in uh, Port Macquarie and asked him to trim ribs the way I wanted them trimmed and made a video. And that video kind of every man and his dog have taken that video into their butcher shop. And um, slowly but surely, our butchers are becoming a little bit more um, knowledgeable about low and slow cuts. Um, but it wasn't always that way. And, um, and but people like, yeah, people like Anthony, you know, kind of saw it coming. And, um, you know, if you go into Anthony's butcher shop, you'll be able to find some really good uh, low and slow cuts. Yeah, awesome. And, and I mean, in the UK, we import, like, uh, 
Aussie briskets and stuff like that, which are, which are super cool and awesome to cook with. Uh, and a lot of our stuff here is grass-fed and, and, and great for certain things, but maybe not so great for the low and slow. And, and so we actually import quite a lot of uh, briskets and stuff from you guys, which is which all tend to be pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, we're, we're pretty lucky. Our meat supply here in Australia is really, really good. Um, the only problem that we, we do have is that, I suppose, uh, in the past, a lot of uh, abattoirs were sending out all the brisket and those sorts of cuts uh, overseas because there really wasn't a market for them here. Now and, you're keeping uh, them all. Now, <laughs> now there is. Um, where, where uh, you know, suppliers are sort of, um, you know, holding off sending product overseas because there's a good market here for it now. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what's happening. So hopefully we'll be buying all our own brisket soon and you guys won't be able to get your hands on it. <laughs> Nah, we'll just get charged double what we're paying now again, so it's all right. Oh, <laughs> thank you. That's so exciting. You know, back in the day we were paying, you know, $6 a kilo for brisket yeah. and three years later, you know, for a decent brisket. It's, it's up around the sort of 15 to $20 a kilo market for a really good brisket. And uh, all the low and slow cuts have just become very, very expensive. Yeah, there's a, a downside to becoming popular, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, something we glossed over because you said it and I just didn't even really know what it was but I've just spotted it again on the on your website is the round for the Brahmin hump what is a Brahmin hump yeah look I'm not I've never been to this event um, it's an event that uh, one of the other co-founders Adam Roberts um, it's an event that he goes to and, and it's there's a special type of um, uh, cattle that has a, a hump and I'm not sure if it's on its back or its neck or something like that, but it, it's apparently really, really good for low and slow. And uh, it's a specific type um, of cattle, and they grow it um, up up north. And they have a convention every year, which is called the Brahmin Hunt Convention, and the competition just happens to be there. So that's one of the handing categories. Okay. That's cool. So you have to cook the actual hump. You do, yeah, that's right. And it works very similar. You know, cooks very similar to a brisket, and some people actually prefer it over a brisket. But um, I don't, I don't know too much about it to be any sort of expert on it. But that's the basics. Cool. And in the seafood categories as well, what are the most popular things that are getting turned in in that area? Yeah, that's a that's a uh, a very uh, the hand in has a lot of conjecture here. People either love it or they hate it. Um, it you know. It, it goes against the whole grain of low and slow. You can't low and slow seafood. So um, cooking seafood tends to be a bit of a grilling type affair. But then again, so is chicken. You know, if you ask me, chicken's not a low and slow cut either. Um, everyone cooks that quite quickly. So seafood, you see a lot of people cooking uh, smoked salmon. So they'll get a nice piece of salmon. So salmon's very, very popular. Um, but then you get people doing yeah, just all sorts of weird and wonderful things because the rule that we kind of had was that um, anything went. So it was kind of like a chef's choice where they could put any, you know, additional things in the box as well. So, you know, you saw a lot of people doing some really complicated dishes with everything from scallops to lobster tails to bugs, yeah, all sorts of weird and wonderful things. But um, it wasn't universally loved, to put it that way. <laughs> We're big fans of it. We've, we've got a seafood round that's going to be in our competition coming up soon as well. Yeah, where we're from, we're we're a real like uh, seafood sort of area. So, uh, so yeah, we have like lots of all of where I live and where Ben lives. Both of us have like a like a fishing harbour, which which 
brings in fresh fish. I mean, daily, awesome, awesome produce from around us. So there's a lot of fish down here where we are. So we wanted to sort of bring fish to the to the table. And uh, we were involved in a barbecue competition last last season, which was uh, they had a fish round, which which was pretty cool. The, like you said, it was treated more like a chef's choice round, and and some of the stuff people were pulling out was was pretty awesome. Uh, it sort of took a I mean, for us here, because most of the most of the competitions do the four categories. I, I I really like the chef's choice round because it, I don't know, it gives the teams a chance to express themselves and do something a little bit different, uh, which is which is awesome to see as well. And it just shows off what can be done on a barbecue as well. Because once you know the low and slow sort of style, and you've sort of cooked a few things here and there, and I guess like the sort of chef's choice really opens your eyes to to what more what can be what what else can be done, what more can be done, and. And yeah, the fish round was super cool that we were involved with. We so yeah, we thought we'd bring a, a little fish round to ours and uh, and see what happened. I think that's absolutely awesome. I mean, I don't, I I, I love a cedar plank salmon. Um, I think I went to Pike's Market in Seattle and bought myself one of their rubs, and that's got to be probably one of my favourite dishes to barbecue is uh, salmon with a Pike's Market rub um, on a cedar plank, and I just put it in the barbecue and let it sort of smoke away and it's it, it's amazing. Um, I, I think one of the things that the ABA has done is, uh, you know, like um, regionally people having competitions have access, like, for example, the, the, the way that the seafood category came about was because one of the competitions is on the beach and the promoter insisted, Greg Dean insisted, that he have a seafood category because his competition was literally almost right on the, on the beach. So I think... Um, as the ABA has grown, you know, we've taken into account all those sort of regional differences, whether it's a Brahmin hump or whether it's seafood, and we've kind of just run with it. I, you know, I, I don't think doing things different is wrong, you know, and if I was in um, South Africa, you know, we'd, we'd do categories that are suited to South Africa, and if I was in Germany, I'd be doing, a, you know, some sort of ham hock, I think they call it, or something like that. So I think wherever you are in the world, you know, you've got you've got good cuts and good produce that suit barbecue and they should be uh, embraced. With you 100% on that, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely right. And have you ever competed or anything yourself, Jay, or have you just always kept it to the no, organizer's uh, side of things yeah, in jeff shark because the, the aba was co-founded by jess priles who does a lot of cooking and has a cookbook coming out and she's a very accomplished uh cook and uh a guy called adam roberts who knew little about barbecue or nothing about barbecue um before um you know we sort of start setting up the aba uh, but adam has competed and done quite well he's also done terribly mind you he came dead last <laughs> once and um and he has been uh, kicking himself ever since then and practicing every weekend. In the last competition, he got a, a reserve grand champion. So awesome. um, he carries the trophy around and reminds us all that he is the most winning <laughs> founder of the ABA. Um, even when he comes around for dinner, he brings his trophy. So, um, you know, no, I haven't competed. I kind of concentrate on being a promoter. Um, I see what some of these teams go through and the effort involved. And... Um, you know, I think, you know, t to win, it's a lot of effort, it's a lot of practice, it's a lot of refinement, and I see the effort that these top teams go through, and, um, you know, if I don't compete, I can't really be ribbed for losing, so I'm just going to not compete for a while. Yeah, you need to get a print yeah, off of Adam's print dead last, and uh, frame <laughs> and, uh, it so when he comes around, you can counteract his trophy. 
<laughs> yeah, he, he took it pretty, he took it to heart and the, um, you know, because he kind of just like, I'm just going to wing it. And I think winging it's great until you come last. And, yeah. I'll um, tweet you my condolences when we're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, but so he's, he's doing, he's done really well and he's one of our co-founders and, um, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't competed yet and, um, I have no plans to. <laughs> <laughs> the safest place to stay <laughs> yeah that's right you, you shared a cool video yesterday just gonna bring it up because i because i liked it there's a guy uh, with a restaurant in in australia it was sort of like a uh i would say like a industrial sort of setting and he had his smokers in like a garage sort of next to it with like the shutter pulled up and and then uh in the industrial unit he'd fit it out like a sort of restaurant and was he said it started up before like the Australian scene really sort of popped off and before you guys were building a lot of your own smokers because that's something you guys are doing now as well, which is awesome. And he had to import something from, from America. And then by the time it arrived, there was a few guys who were, who were building stuff in, the, in, in Australia and he was a bit gutted. But <laughs> yeah. So the guy's called Martin and his uh, barbecue restaurant's called Red Gum Barbecue. And he's been involved in barbecue for, I don't know exactly, but sort of five years and started off very small in his backyard and then did the odd catering gig. And then he was catering at a, doing sort of a pop-up at a local uh, brewery. And now he started his own uh, restaurant, which is probably the first authentic truck stop style American barbecue joint in Australia where we've got lots of barbecue restaurants, but they tend to be restaurants and they're kind of in... Um, you know, the, the CBDs of our cities, but he's located about an hour out of Melbourne and it's just, it's behind the service station and he's done an amazing job of the fit out and it's just got a great feel to it. The smokers are out. It's, it's got this communal dining feeling to it. He's got lots of different craft beers on tap that are all local to the region and his barbecue's great and he's just done a really nice job of it. But, you know, he was saying that when he first got into... Uh, commercial style barbecue that they, they he's right there, there wasn't wasn't really anyone making barbecues and uh, there was one guy called Paul Rettmeyer who's from Silver Creek Smokers and Paul I think to this day still makes them himself and doesn't um, either like working with anyone or doesn't want to employ anybody but he can only build pits so fast and uh, Martin also owns a Silver Creek Smoker but um, while this thing has blown up um, the demand has become so great that instead of importing uh, barbecues from America, which we still do, you know, we have Yodas and Horizons and lots of different brands that uh, are imported from America and you see them all over Australia, but there's probably six or seven or eight decent, really well-built pits that are now made and built in Australia. Um, and I guess, I guess, you know, uh, it's primarily because I suppose shipping them from America is so expensive. So there's, there's been a booming market for it. And you've got things like uh, radar hill smokers have become very popular, manhorn smokers. So there's all these people that are out there now uh, building pits and the quality of what they're doing is really, really impressive. Awesome. We've seen a lot of our, our Pro-Q cabinet smokers hitting the, uh, the shores of Australia, which is cool tons, to see. Tons. Everywhere. Even I've got a couple. Um, everyone's got... Uh, sorry, I've got the bullet smokers, but yeah, the, the, the cabinet smokers have become really, really popular. Um, there's a guy called uh, Louis who's the sort of importer, um, and he's been really proactive in pushing the cabinet smokers, and uh, lots of restaurants and lots of teams uh, use them. 
So yeah, the cabinet, the ProQ cabinet speakers, and the ProQ bullets are just everywhere. Everyone yeah. seems to have a ProQ bullets out of control. Um, yeah, it's also it's so, great. It's great to see because I mean, again, like that's so weird because obviously I had one or I had a couple, and I saw that they were massive in Australia, and then basically found out that they're actually well. The, the company's based like 10 minutes down the road from where I live and I was just like completely oblivious to it so so now like really good mates with uh, Ty and Ian who, who run ProQ Max Barbecue and uh, they're obviously like sponsors of the show and stuff and, and it's awesome to see I mean because they're so the cabinets are so sort of unique and in, in just spotable and, and like it's great to see so many just popping up all over the place people seem to love them I, I think they're awesome bits of kit but it's also great to see that you guys are making pits yourself and doing good jobs of it, doing a good job of it and, and yeah awesome yeah it's come a long way in a very short amount of time but um yeah the the, the those pro q um gravity fed smokers just they're just over you know they're a beautiful thing to look at they're sort of uh, i don't know if it's the right words but over engineered and they're built to last forever and like a tank um but yeah you know i, I think people in australia are kind of prepared to spend good money on barbecues that are going to last um, so that seems to be where the market is because there's lots of crappy, you know, really flimsy made offsets available in, in, in yeah. uh, around Australia, and we don't seem to be doing that well. Now, no, everyone that we see here that sort of buys anything that's not really imported or custom built, anything that's sort of available really in the offset category needs to be modded quite a lot for it to be sort of a usable sort of low and slow smoker generally people buy it as their like first thing they like to see it as good good value for money buy it and then realize they need something better straight away i think <laughs> yeah i think it sort of <laughs> looks apart though I mean, people think like the offset smoker looks like yeah. how a smoker should look this is how a smoker is and they see yeah. that but have to end up modding yeah. it quite in a bit to make it sort of a Work sharks shuffling in charcoal like you're some sort of steam train driver. <laughs> and, um, doesn't matter what you do with the vents, the temperature's always up and down like a roller coaster. So yeah, I feel the pain of those cheap, uh, cheap barbecues. Have you have you had many of the sort of US guys come over to Australia and do like master classes on barbecuing and stuff like that, or not really? We haven't had a lot, but we did uh, last year's meat stock. Um, I brought out Tuffy Stone. Oh yeah. Um, and I can't speak highly enough of Tuffy. He's just, you know, obviously he's won the Jack Daniels Invitational three times out of the last four. Um, he's got one of the most envious track records of any barbecue team because what a lot of people don't know is he doesn't compete in that many competitions and his winning record is just phenomenal. Um, so Tuffy came out to Australia and did a couple of uh, classes. He's coming back out to Melbourne uh, before meat stock to do some classes again. Uh, Mo Kaysen's coming out for Auckland and Sydney, so it's good to have Mo out. Um, there's been a couple of Chris Marks came out from the States to do a couple of classes for somebody else. Um, I'm just trying to think. There's, there's been a few. Um, Harry Sue came out. Um, awesome. and did a, I think he's also been over to see you guys as well, so Harry's a great guy and he did a few classes. So there has been, you know, there's been a couple of guys come out and do some barbecue classes, which a lot of the teams have done, and... Um, you can tend to tell, you know, the teams that have done these classes are tend, tend to do really well as well. And it's awesome to see, yeah, the other, one of the other co-founders, you said Jess earlier, who's who's over in America doing quite a lot of stuff, and she's, uh, she, she was, was she, lect, she was lecturing in, like, Houston University or something the other day, or? 
Yeah, they've got a thing called Brisket Camp, and I think it's at Texas University. I mean, my terminology is wrong, but they've got some sort of a department over there that sort of specialises in meat, and uh, they do a, a seminar called Brisket Camp, and people travel from all over America to learn about brisket, and uh, she did a talk there. Um, Aaron Franklin's done a talk at Brisket Camp before, so um, Jess is extremely knowledgeable. She's Like I said before, she's got a cookbook coming out, um, her social media and the way she presents herself and her knowledge is, is kind of second to none because of the fact that she has gone out of her way to do, um, she's worked in barbecue restaurants, she's done butchery classes, she's, done, she's trained herself quite a lot in the art of butchery. Um, she, she doesn't claim that she's a barbecue competition cook, but you know her knowledge around meat is amazing. Yeah, definitely. And she, there's lots of people in the UK that like to follow what she's doing and bought her rubs and stuff that have been out recently as well. Yeah, yeah. Hardcore yeah, Carnivores I mean, just reached the shores of the UK. We now have a supplier in the UK. I was, I was very fortunate enough. Um, me and Jess have a, a really good uh, mutual relation, mutual respect for each other and relationship in terms of, um, you know, uh, I do the graphic design for her, her um, rubs. And she comes out to Australia and, and, and goes to my events and, and does, um, you know, some emceeing for me. So we kind of swap services. Um, so I, I, her rub is fantastic. She's got a new one come out called Red. Um, and, you know, if it's anything, I haven't tried Red yet because, you know, she's listening to this. She should have sent me a bottle because I did the graphics. But um, <laughs> Stop being a cheapskate, <laughs> Jess. Come on. <laughs> but Hardcore Carnivore is just a fantastic everyday rub that you could put on a steak or um and it just it just brings it up to the next level and um if you haven't tried it it's really worth trying yeah definitely and what about like, other barbecue teams and stuff in australia are you starting to put on your own classes now for other people yeah some have i mean one one guy uh bully barbecue he does classes a lot of them sort of all around the country um so, you know, some people don't really want to share their secrets. There's another guy called The Beard and the Barbecue. Um, he's he's done quite a few classes. Um, so, yeah, look, a, a lot of the teams, as they start to uh, do well, they kind of want to share the knowledge. And uh, no one's really making any money out of it, but, um, you know, it's, it's kind of fun to share your passion with other people and to teach other people about low and slow barbecue. So... Um, you know, and you find that the sort of guys that are doing a lot of the teaching are the people that are at the top of our sort of, you know, uh, leaderboard, our championship series. So there's 200 people, 200 teams that are on our championship series, and a lot of those people that are doing the courses are kind of fairly high up in that championship series. Yeah, definitely. But I guess because you've only been going for a few years, it's like you've not got anyone who's the veterans that have been up there for years and years that can pass it on every it's still all quite new, isn't it? <laughs> Not yet. We've, we've got a couple of teams that kind of have veteran status because they've kind of travelled, I suppose, overseas to compete. Mm -hmm. um, we've, we've probably, every year we've had, we've been lucky enough to have somebody represent Australia um, in the Jack. And so some of the teams that have competed in the Jack, you know, we all get behind them and follow them. Um, there's a stack of teams at the moment who are... Um, there's a stack of teams at the moment who are competing at the Royal, who competed at the Royal as well and did very well. So for whatever reason, they seem to be our, um, you know, uh, teams with a bit of history, even though the history is not very long. Yeah, but it's still good history. 
<laughs> awesome. We have we have a team over in Australia at the minute who's uh, I don't think they're not competing in ABA, but they're competing over in Australia. So they're taking up the scene a bit. They're they're checking out what you've got to offer down under and uh, checking out a few. If they've posted a few pics and barbecue joints and stuff, which is awesome. Bunch of swines who were uh, they finished second in the team of the year for for Europe. So. So they're, they're a wicked team, really, really good team, and they're, they're over in Australia at the minute checking out what's what's on offer, which is cool. Hopefully at some point we'll get over. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Do you know how they went in the um, the Melbourne comp they entered? I don't at the moment, no. I should do, but I don't. <laughs> it's just it's really, really hard um, taking what you do to another country, and I think um, a lot of the teams from Australia that have competed overseas um, you know, it, it, it's a struggle to basically go over there and work with different meats in a different area, and um, yeah. you know, the, the sort of teams that are picking up, you know, um, trophies every second competition. But competing overseas is a big challenge in itself. Yeah, and that's where the barbecue community really sort of all comes together. I mean, like, I have teams coming over from Europe, and the first thing the bunch of swines did as soon as I announced the teams that are traveling from Europe over to the UK is uh, Ed, Ed messaged me saying, I know what smokers they use. We have a couple of the smokers spare that they use. I'll bring them to yeah. the competition. So so they've got what they regularly cook on, and et cetera, et cetera. So then I've rung up the guys and I've been like, well, Ed from Bunch of Swines has said that he's got this, this, and this, and, and he's happy to lend it to you. And they're like over the moon with it. And I guess it's like reciprocal because those guys travel a lot, barbecue all over. I know they drive and take a lot of stuff with them, but at the same time, they do go to the US to compete and stuff like that. So it's it's one of those things that I guess that they've received the, the good, kind f- gestures from other barbecue teams and they're looking to give back. And it's something we see. I mean, we had a, a team from, from Ireland heading over to compete in the Jack and stuff last year. And, uh, and yeah, they were fully sorted out and everything on the other side by, by the teams that sort of came together because they, they flew so they couldn't take anything with them. So, uh, so yeah, that. It's just great to see sort of teams coming together. It's always hard to travel and, and, and do anything, let alone compete in, in some of the hardest competitions that, that there are. And, and it's great to have teams on the other side who are help, willing to sort of reach into their own pockets and, and help you out. Well, if anyone is thinking of competing in Australia, the ABA has a list of about 30 barbecue teams here who are willing to lend gear, borrow marquees, help out, supply stuff, um, so if you're if, if anyone is thinking of coming out and competing in an ABA event, there's a very long list of teams who will be more than happy to um to help you out with everything you need. Awesome, that's awesome. Me uh, United Q might have to yeah. enter a team and do an Adam and come dead last, but <laughs> but it'll be all good. It'd be worth it. We'll be in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was pretty hot here yesterday. It got up to about forty-seven degrees. Oh. Too hot for me. That's right. <laughs> Proper low and slow brisket in that. Yeah. Right. I think you could have almost cooked a low and slow brisket, yeah. So um, just be careful about what, what dates you come out. <laughs> yeah, we'll do, bro. Right. I'm going to. Oh, looks like you're about to ask something, but I think I'm just being conscious of time here. So I'm going to step in and say thank you very much, Jay, for coming on. Really, really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for awesome chatting. Yeah, well done for everything you've done for Australian barbecue. It's really awesome, and we we'll keep enjoying watching what you're doing over there. Yeah, well, um, the country here is addicted. Um, we've even got a, a feature film coming out sometime this year. So uh, right now they're filming a movie about a competition barbecue. So um, it's it's um, barbecue's definitely taken Australia by storm, and uh, and we're we're just 
you know, glad to be along for the ride. Awesome. That's so yeah. sick to hear. Thank you very much, bro. No worries, buddy. Cheers, mate. Ciao. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We've recorded yet another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. As always, we're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kimado Joe, and Smokewood Shack. Our awesome sponsors, ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying your first smoker, wanting to upgrade, or looking for charcoal cabinet smokers, check them out over at Max Barbecue. And Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades, and accessories from the US and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. So regardless of how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas, or electric, the real taste of barbecue can be yours all year round. And Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovations from smoking, roasting, or searing. Kamado Joe is the premium ceramic grill chosen by Michelin star chefs and barbecue enthusiasts alike. Get the great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out kamadojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoking goodness. You provide the talent. So if you are looking for smoking wood chunks, dust, chips, or planks, then head on over to smokewoodshack.com and you can find them on Twitter at smoke with Shaq so goodbye from me and goodbye from me and I just looked up on the KCBS website and, and I'm the best barbecue chef cool